Welcome to Oikos. We're glad that you're with us this morning. How's everybody doing? Awesome. So this morning we continue our series called Coffee Cup Kairos. And as I was going through and trying to decide what exactly is the Lord saying to us this week, became very evident on Thursday as I started to read in Luke. Um, some of the things that we have focused on in the past, we probably repeat over and over again. And I think this is one of the things that we need to repeat because it's a message that we say yes to, but when it actually comes to actually doing it, we want to say no. So, what are some things that you have been angry about? The most recent, maybe yesterday, or could be last week. What are some things that you've been angry about? Possibly, what about the bombing in Turkey? Could, do you think you could be a little bit angry at those who were the perpetrators in that? Maybe for um, just some issues, like the whole bathroom issue here in Houston. Anyone get angry about that? What about that guy who killed the kid just here in this neighborhood at the metro station? Do you think you could be angry at him? Or think about that boss that you had that fired you for no reason. Or at least you didn't think so. Think you could be angry at that person or possibly your ex wife or husband, you think you could be angry at them. You know, I think oftentimes we forget to step into the shoes of those that we may be angry at. I know this looks kind of silly, but this is the way it's going to be. <laughs> it's a real serious tone, and then I just realized how I'm sitting. But anyways, um, a little break in the seriousness but I do think we often forget to step into the shoes of those that we may be angry at. I think it might be difficult to be a Muslim in America right now. I think it might be really hard to be a homosexual in the American church right now. I wonder, what is it like to be a Democrat who believes in pro-life and is very active in pro-life? Or what, it's, what is it like to be a Republican in a very liberal organization? How quickly we can become angry at someone how quickly we can begin to connive and think of ways to hurt someone simply because they may not agree with us, may not look like us, may not sound like us, or may not live like we do. Or often I find that we get angry at those who actually are living like us 
but we're delusional and we think we're not living that way. You know, when you look at someone and you go, I can't believe they did that. And what you really need is a good friend by your side and said, well, you kind of did. Well, Jesus has good words for us this morning in Luke chapter 6. If you have your Bible, you can follow along with me. It's in verse 27 that we're going to be focusing in on. Jesus knew that many people got angry in his day as well. Principally, it was the Pharisees. They were angry that people could not follow the laws that they had so dutifully put together in order to make sure that they wouldn't break God's law. And Jesus said these words, But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. Someone also demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will be returned to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Don't you just love the words of Jesus? They should make you feel uncomfortable because that's exactly what they did in the day that he spoke them. Those who heard the words of Jesus would often stop in their tracks and think, what the heck is he saying? Or I really don't want to listen to this. And that's why he starts this out in verse 27, but to you who are willing to listen. Because with Jesus, it's always an invitation. It's an invitation to listen to his words, reflect on your life, and determine, will I turn from my ways to walk in his way? Will I turn from my thoughts to think his thoughts? Will I change and become more like him 
and less of me. How many out there, this is a real question, so it's not rhetorical. How many of you out there have had something bad happen to you and you either dwell in this or it's a passing thought that you believe it's some kind of recompense, some kind of punishment for what you've done wrong in the past? Come on. I know it's not supposed to be rhetorical, but basically it is. How many of you believe that God has punished you in the past for things that you've done wrong? You're not supposed to believe this. It's a myth. It's a wrong belief. It's not in Scripture. But we tend to grab onto that, right? You can have something happen, and you can immediately go, oh, that was because I did that. So God kind of zapped me right there. I'm glad he didn't zap me for the fullness of what I did because uh, it's a little zap. So then you say, well, thanks God for that little zap. And I won't do that again. And your relationship with God becomes a father who looks for the things that you do wrong. And then he better worry about your future. Doesn't that sound like a great dad? Jesus, as he's speaking, is revealing something much deeper than just loving your enemies. I mean, I fail at loving my enemies pretty consistently. Yesterday, we had the electrician who didn't finish the job, who decided to finish the job, come to finish the job. I've actually learned to kind of love this guy. His name is Francisco, and he's honorable. Now, two months ago, I would have cursed Francisco when I had to poke holes in my ceiling because things weren't connected. But when I actually stopped to hear his story... I realized that I wasn't the only one that had been hit with some tragedy. And as Francisco was there, he started to tell me more and more about what our, pre our contractor had done. And then what he had told Francisco. And I found myself not being angry at Francisco, but then I was getting more angry at our contractor again. And I was thinking, what, how, can I, how can I go do something really bad to him without anyone finding out? Because I want him to hurt like he's hurt us. But Jesus is revealing something about his father. He wants us to follow the ways of the Father just like he has followed the ways of his Father. He wants us to release those myths that we have a Father who looks for what we do wrong and then punishes us for the things that we do wrong. He wants us to release that and grab on to the truth of who God really is. That he is kind to the ungrateful. 
How many times has God been kind to you in your ungratefulness? I want you to think on that. This is moments for us to reflect where has God been working in our lives, even when we don't deserve it. That he's kind to the wicked. That he's merciful to those who don't give mercy. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Romans 5. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Ungratefulness. The wicked. Those who don't give mercy. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. See, our view of God is incorrect most often. He doesn't pay us back for what we have done wrong. Instead, he forgives us. He doesn't decide to vent his anger out on us so that he can feel better. He's a good father. And because we're his children, he calls us to step into that life with him. That means that we don't respond in anger. Instead, we respond in love. We change our perspective of bitterness into a perspective that looks upon wrongs done to us with compassion. We let go of the wrongs that were done to us and we start a new day. Just as God tells us, my mercies are new each day. We become wise by listening. We listen to God's voice and we allow his approval to be the ultimate thing that we look for that he so freely gives. We believe that our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies. We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 5, verse 43. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that way you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. And after Peter had betrayed him, Jesus demonstrates this as he speaks to him in John chapter 21. Simon, son of John, 
Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. The impulse of Jesus is that he loves us. So he wants us to love. The impulse of Jesus is that he gives us everything, even eternal life. So he wants us to give. The impulse of Jesus is that he gives mercy so freely, he gives it every day. So he wants us to be merciful. The impulse of Jesus is that he breathes his spirit of grace on us to fill us to do the things that he has prepared for us to do. He wants us to be gracious. The impulse of Jesus, his first reaction, the thing that he first does, just read the Gospels and you see how he reacts, is that he wants to be like his father. And so he invites us to be like him. Now this verse, I think we can often take and we'll look at kids and we'll tell them, love your enemies. And some of you dads and even some of you moms and some of you aunts and uncles or grandpa and grandmas, when, when your kid is bullied on the playground, your first impulse is, you slap that kid back. <laughs> And so it's hard, right? Because the words of Jesus stand there, and yet we don't know how to live them. So how do we become strong but not weak? Because Jesus calls us to be strong, even when we may look weak. So we teach our kids how to be strong but not weak. It is better to walk away in anger and come back with love than to approach in anger trying to love. That's not out of scripture. That is just lytle. I believe that too often we try to be like Jesus before we're ready to be like Jesus. And we approach in anger thinking that love is going to come out. And it doesn't. So I believe it's better to walk away in anger and then come back with love. Take some time. Retreat. Pray. Ask him to help you. These are good words for us to give our children, but it's also good words for us as adults. How do we stay strong but not weak? So we teach our kids it's good to speak up when someone is making you uncomfortable. If someone's hurting them, that it's good to speak up. That that's a point when turning the other cheek is not about turning the other cheek at that moment. It's about telling your parents someone is making you uncomfortable or they're hurting you. We teach our kids that if you're being abused verbally, you need to seek help. We don't teach our kids to come up with a better word to tell the kid that's verbally abusing you. 
That's a quick response, right? In fact, we've seen this with our kids several times. In fact, I think all of our kids have had some kind of person being mean to them. And whether it's being bit in a preschool setting or it's being shoved out of the crowd and not included because people don't want to talk to you. Our first inclination as parents, and Sarah's probably more like this. This sounds like I'm talking bad about her, but she's right here. She turns into a mama bear a lot faster than I'm wanting to kill the kid that hurts our kid. <laughs> or an adult who says something to our children that isn't beneficial. So our first inclination is like, we're going to go beat that kid or we're going to go beat that adult. But that's not very becoming of a public school teacher or a pastor. So we have to think of alternative things. The first things are, what can we do in secret? But we know that that's not good either. <laughs> so then we turn to what God says. And we say, this is a point where we get to talk to our kids about what love really looks like. And that their approval doesn't come from those who are trying to abuse them. And that that kid who's trying to say mean things to them probably needs love. Actually, for sure, needs love. And God put you in that school, or God put you in that house, or God put you in that place to demonstrate his love. And you don't have to do it alone. We'll stand with you. We'll encourage you. And we will protect you. That's why God made his church. Because he knew we would face things that would hurt us. Individually and corporately. And he wants us to stand alongside of each other. And say, demonstrate my love. And it will be hard. But I will stand next to you. I'll stand next to you because Alex is going to stand right next to you. As you demonstrate the love. He will be my hands that hold your hand as you forgive someone who's deeply hurt you. We've also helped our kids just read the signs. When is the time to just walk away? Because it's getting a little bit iffy. An example that we've told our kids before is that if the guy is being mean, this is with Zach, you tell the kid, we can play ball together, but if you are mean, I'm not going to play. And I'm going to walk away. And we can play another day. That we can play another day is an important thing. Because that demonstrates the words of Christ. That his mercies are new each day. God asks us to have a new look on the people who hurt us each day. Even if we know 
we think we know, even if we think we know, they're going to hurt us again. Step into the new mercies and love that person. That's what he invites us to do. Now, I think it's a little unfair because we have four kids, so we kind of have a built-in school of what it means to love because they do this to each other all the time. We're constantly telling them, would you please love your sister? Would you please love your brother? Would you please give grace to your sister? And they hear it over and over. And we stop and we talk with them over and over. I think sometimes we need that too. That's why it's good to talk with one another and say, this is what I'm struggling with right now. This person's really hurt me and I want to forgive them, but I don't know how. Can you pray with me right now so that I can have the power of the Spirit upon me to forgive the person who's hurt me so deeply? Because I want to live in the life that Jesus showed. And the only way I can do that is if I turn the other cheek. But the only way I can turn the other cheek is if I have the power of God living inside of me. We don't have a Father in heaven that looks at us and says, you failed today. So tomorrow's going to be awful. We don't have a Father in heaven who looks at you and says, you screwed up. So now look for the next screw-up that's going to happen in your life because I'm going to zap you in that moment. That is a myth that we grab onto. We have a Father in Heaven that looks at us with a smile each day. And when we fail, He looks at us again and He says, here's my hand. Come walk with me again. When we try to run away, we have a Father in Heaven who stands at the door waiting for us to return. Because He loves us. And His first impulse is to love. Forgiveness starts by releasing the hurt to the Lord so that you may be healed. Throughout Scripture, we see that when someone has a physical issue that they need to be healed, Many times, Jesus responds that you are forgiven. Forgiveness and healing go hand in hand. If you need healed from something, think about where you need to seek forgiveness. And ask the Lord for that forgiveness because He's ready to give it to you. You're healed to forgive the one who hurt you and move forward with God. You are healed from the hurt that someone pushed upon you the moment you forgive. And that's freedom. That's love. Does everybody have a name in their head? of someone that you should forgive. If you have a name in your head that you should forgive someone, go ahead and raise your hand because we're going to pray. I won't ma make you say the name out loud because that might be the person next to you. That's a little awkward. 
But I want you to think someone who has hurt you and you need to forgive them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you as broken people. We didn't deserve Jesus. We didn't deserve him coming off his throne to become one of us. We didn't deserve any of it. In fact, we fight against it. And we thank you that though we have done nothing In the way of loving you, you have deeply loved us. So deeply so that in the moment that we are your worst enemy, you call us your friend. And no matter how many times we fight against you and try to go our own way, you remain our friend. Lord, I pray that you would Breathe that spirit into us today. For the names that entered our heads as we thought about forgiveness, whether it was a family member, a friend, a co-worker, a spouse, a child, whoever it may have been, I pray that you would pour your spirit upon the people of this church and fill them with the love that only you can give so that they may have the courage to forgive. Forgiveness looks different, Lord. Not everyone wants to receive it. May that not be an obstacle for us. Give us the courage to forgive just like you forgive us, even when we don't want your forgiveness. Give us the courage to forgive with those who will probably hurt us again. Give us the courage to forgive knowing that you protect us. You cover us. You approve of us. May we walk in that freedom. As we celebrate our country's freedom, Lord, may we celebrate even more the freedom that we have because your son came and died and rose again, assuring us that we have life with you and life forevermore, that no one can take us out of your hand, and that you stand at that door when we walk away, ever watchful for us to return, ever watchful. In your name we pray, amen.